Hello, Krishna. 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 <laughs> we're we're going to hear and chant. We don't care what anybody says. Forward. I'll try reading it off the screen here. Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita by Srila Krishidas Kaviraj Goswami is the principal work on the life and teachings of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the pioneer of a great social and religious movement that began in India about 500 years ago and that has directly and indirectly influenced the subsequent course of religious and philosophical thinking, not only in India, but throughout the world. That Sri, Ch that Sri Krishna Chaitanya's influence has spread so far is due in large part to the efforts of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, the present works translator and commentator, and the founder and Acharya spiritual guide, of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is thus a figure of great historical significance. However, our conventional method of historical analysis, that of seeing a man as a product of his times, fails here, for Sri Krishna Chaitanya is a personality who transcends the limited scope of historical settings. At a time when, in the West, man was directing his explorative spirit towards studying the structure of the physical universe and circum, uh, circumnavigating the world in search of new oceans and continents, Sri Krishna Chaitanya in the East was inaugurating and masterminding a revolution directed toward a scientific understanding of the highest knowledge of man's spiritual nature. The chief historical sources for the life of Sri Krishna Chaitanya are the Kadachas, diaries kept by Murari Gupta and Swarup Damodar Goswami. Murari Gupta, a physician and close associate of Sri Krishna Chaitanya's, recorded extensive notes on the first 24 years of his life, culminating in his initiation into the renounced order Sannyas. The events of the rest of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's 48 years were recorded in the diary of Surup Damodar Goswami, another of his intimate associates. Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita is divided into three sections called Leelas, a word that literally means pastimes. The Adi Leela, recounting the early period of Lord Chaitanya's pastimes, the Madhya Leela, recounting the middle period and the Antilila, recounting the final period. The notes of Murari Gupta form the basis of the Yadilila and Swarup Damodar's diary provides the details for the Madhya and Antililas. 
The first 12 chapters of the Adi Lila constitute the preface for the entire work. By referring to Vedic scriptural evidence, Krishna's Kaviraj establishes that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the avatar, incarnation of God for the age of Kali, the current epoch, which began 5,000 years ago and is characterized by materialism, hypocrisy, and dissension. The author also proves that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is identical to Lord Krishna and explains that he descends to liberally grant the fallen souls of this degraded age pure love of God by propagating Sankirtan, literally congregational glorification of God, especially by organizing massive public chanting of the Maha Mantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. In addition, in the 12th chapter preface, Krishnadas Kaviraj reveals the esoteric purpose of Lord Chaitanya's appearance in the world, describes his co-avatars and principal devotees, and summarizes his teachings. In the remaining portion of the Adi Lila, chapters 13 through 17, the author briefly recounts Lord Chaitanya's divine birth and his life until he accepted the renounced order. This account includes his childhood miracles, schooling, marriage, and early philosophical confrontations, as well as his organization of a widespread Sankirtan movement and his civil disobedience against the repression of the Muslim government. The Madhya Lila, the longest of the three divisions, narrates in detail Lord Chaitanya's extensive and eventful travels throughout India as a renounced mendicant, teacher, philosopher, spiritual preceptor, and mystic. During this period of six years, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu transmits his teachings to his principal disciples. He debates and converts many of the renowned philosophers and theologians of his time, including Shankarites, Buddhists, and Muslims, and incorporates their many thousands of followers and disciples into his own burgeoning numbers. The author also includes in this section a dramatic account of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's miraculous activities at the giant Rath Yatra car festival in Jagannath Puri, Orissa. The Anjalila concerns the last 18 years of Sri, Chaitanya, Sri Chaitanya's presence spent in semi-seclusion near the famous Jagannath temple in Puri. During these final years, Sri Krishna Chaitanya drifted deeper and deeper into trances of spiritual ecstasy unparalleled in all of religious and literary history, Eastern or Western. His perpetual and ever-increasing religious beatitude graphically described in the eyewitness accounts of Swarup Damara Goswami, his constant companion during this period, clearly defied the investigative and descriptive abilities of modern psychologists and phenomenologists of religious experience. The author of this great classic, Krishnas Kaviraj Goswami, born around the beginning of the 16th century was, a, century, was a disciple of Raghunath Das Goswami, a confidential follower of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's. Raghunath Das, a renowned ascetic saint, heard and memorized all the activities of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told to him by Surup Damodar Goswami. After the passing away of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Surup Damodar, Raghunath Das, unable to bear the pain of separation from these objects of his complete devotion, 
traveled to Vrindavan, intending to commit suicide by jumping from Govardhan Hill. In Vrindavan, however, he encountered Srila Rupa Goswami and Srila Sanatan Goswami, two of the most confidential disciples of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. They convinced him to give up his planned suicide and impelled him to reveal to them the spiritually inspiring events of Lord Chaitanya's later life. Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami was also residing in Vrindavan at this time, and Raghunath Das Goswami endowed him with a full comprehension of the transcendental life of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. By this time, contemporary and near contemporary scholars and devotees had already written several biographical works on the life of Sri Krishna Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. These included Sri Chaitanya Charita by Murari Gupta, Chaitanya Mangal by Lochan Das Thakur, and Chaitanya Bhagavat. This latter work by Vrindavan Das Thakur, who was then considered the principal authority on Sri Chaitanya's life, was highly revered. While composing his important work, Vrindavan Das, fearing that it would become too voluminous, avoided elaborately describing many of the events of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's life, particularly the later ones. Anxious to hear of these later pastimes, the devotees in Vrindavan requested Krishnas Kaviraj Goswami, whom they respected as a great saint and scholar, to compose a book narrating these episodes in detail. Upon this request, and with the permission and blessings of the Madan Mohan deity of Vrindavan, he began compiling Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, which, due to its literary excellence and philosophical thoroughness, is today universally regarded as the foremost work on the life and profound teachings of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Krishnas Kaviraj Goswami commenced work on the text at a very advanced age and in failing health, as he vividly describes in the text itself. I have now become too old and disturbed by invalidity. While writing, my hands tremble. I cannot remember anything, nor can I see or hear properly. Still I write, and this is a great wonder. That he completed the greatest literary gem of medieval India under such debilitating conditions is surely one of the wonders of literary history. As mentioned above, this English translation and commentary is the work of His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, the world's most distinguished teacher of Indian religious and philosophical thought. Srila Prabhupada's commentary is based upon two Bengali commentaries, one by his guru, Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Goswami, the eminent Vedic scholar, teacher, and saint who predicted the time will come when the people of the world will learn Bengali to read Chaitanya Charnamrita, and the other by Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati's father and instructing spiritual master, Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, who pioneered the propagation of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings in the modern era. Srila Prabhupada is himself a disciplic descendant of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and is the first scholar to execute systematic English translations of the major works of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's followers. His consummate Bengali and Sanskrit scholarship and intimate familiarity with the precepts of Sri Krishna Chaitanya are a fitting combination that eminently qualifies him to present this important classic to the English-speaking world. The ease and clarity with which he expounds upon difficult philosophical concepts enable even a reader 
totally unfamiliar with the Indian religious tradition to understand and appreciate this profound and monumental work. The entire text with commentary presented by the Bhaktivedanta Book Trust represents a contribution of major importance to the intellectual, cultural, and spiritual life of contemporary man. The Publishers. Editor's note, revisions in this edition are based on the transcripts of his Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada's original dictation of the translations, word meanings, and purports of Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita. And now we move on to... That was tight, wasn't it? Tightly written. Very nice. Gives such a nice summary. Okay, introduction. Introduction. That ought to just be next. You can just hit the next button and you'll be there. No? Yeah. Okay. Nitai namine che narahate sharamudyanam dite chere. This introduction originally delivered as five morning lectures on the Chaitanya Charitamrita, the authoritative biography of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu by Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami, before the International Society for Krishna Consciousness, New York City, April 10th through 14, 1967. The word Chaitanya means living force, Charita means character, and Amrita means immortal. As living entities, we can move, but a table cannot because it does not possess living force. Movement and activity may be considered signs or symptoms of the living force. Indeed, it may be said that there can be no activity without the living force. Although the living force is present in the material condition, this condition is not amrita, immortal. The words Chaitanya Charitamrita then may be translated as the character of the living force in immortality. But how is this living force displayed immortally? It is not displayed by man or any other creature in this material universe, for none of us are immortal in these bodies. We possess the living force, we perform activities, and we are immortal by our nature and constitution but the material condition into which we have been put does not allow our immortality to be displayed. It is stated in the Kata Upanishad that eternally, that eternality and the living force belong to both ourselves and God. Although this is true in that both God and ourselves are immortal, there is a difference. As living entities, we perform many activities, but we have a tendency to fall down into material nature. God has no such tendency. Being all-powerful, he never comes under the control of material nature. Indeed, material nature is but one display of his inconceivable energies. An analogy will help us understand the distinction between ourselves and God. From the ground, we may see only clouds in the sky, but if we fly above the clouds, we can see the sun shining. From the sky, skyscrapers, and cities seem very tiny. Similarly, from God's position, this entire material creation is insignificant. The tendency of the living entity is to come down from the heights where everything can be seen in perspective. God, however, does not have this tendency. The Supreme Lord is not subject to fall down into illusion, maya, 
any more than the sun is subject to fall beneath the clouds. Impersonalist philosophers, Mayavadis, maintain that both the living entity and God himself are under the control of Maya when they come into this material world. This is the fallacy of their philosophy. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu should therefore not be considered one of us. He is Krishna himself, the supreme living entity, and as such he never comes under the cloud of Maya. Krishna, his expansions, and even his higher devotees never fall into the clutches of illusion. Lord Chaitanya came to earth simply to preach Krishna Bhakti, love of Krishna. In other words, he is Lord Krishna himself teaching the living entities the proper way to approach Krishna. He is like a teacher who, seeing a student doing poorly, takes up a pencil and writes saying, do it like this, A, B, C. From this, one should not foolishly think that the teacher is learning his ABCs. Similarly, although Lord Chaitanya appears in the guise of a devotee, we should not foolishly think that he is an ordinary human being. We should always remember that Lord Chaitanya is Krishna, God himself, teaching us how to become Krishna conscious, and we must study him in that light. In the Bhagavad Gita 1866, Lord Krishna says, Give up all your nonsense and surrender to me. I will protect you. We say, oh, surrender? But I have so many responsibilities. And Maya, illusion, says to us, Don't do it or you'll be out of my clutches. Just stay in my clutches and I'll kick you. It is a fact that we are constantly being kicked by Maya, just as the male ass is kicked in the face by the she-ass when he comes for sex. Similarly, cats and dogs are always fighting and whining when they have sex. Even an elephant in the jungle is caught by the use of a trained she-elephant who leads him into a pit. We should learn by observing these tricks of nature. Maya has many ways to entrap us, and her strongest shackle is the female. Of course, in actuality, we are neither male nor female, for these designations refer only to the outer dress, the body, we are all actually Krishna's servants, but in conditioned life, we are shackled by iron chains in the form of beautiful women. Thus, every male is bound by sex, and therefore, one who wishes to gain liberation from the material clutches must first learn to control the sex urge. Unrestricted sex puts one fully in the clutches of illusion. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu officially renounced this illusion at the age of 24 although his wife was 16 and his mother 70, and he was the only male in the family. Although he was a pramana and was not rich, he took sannyas, the renounced order of life, and thus extricated himself from family entanglement. If we wish to become fully Krishna conscious, we have to give up the shackles of Maya. Or, if we remain with Maya, we should live in such a way that we will not be subject to illusion as did the many householders among Lord Chaitanya's closest devotees. With his followers in the renounced order, however, Lord Chaitanya was very strict. He even banished Junior Haridas, an important kirtan leader, for glancing lustfully at a woman. The Lord told him, You are living with me in the renounced order, and yet you are looking at a woman with lust. Other devotees of the Lord had appealed to him to forgive Haridas, but he replied, all of you can forgive him and live with him. I shall live alone. 
On the other hand, when the Lord learned that the wife of one of his householder devotees was pregnant, he asked that the baby be given a certain auspicious name. So while the Lord approved of householders having regulated sex, he was like a thunderbolt with those in the renounced order who tried to cheat by the method known as drinking water underwater while bathing on a fast day. In other words, he tolerated no hypocrisy among his followers. From Chaitanya Charitamrita, we learn how Lord Chaitanya taught people to break the shackles of Maya and become immortal. Thus, as mentioned above, the title may be properly translated as the character of the living force in immortality. The supreme living force is the supreme personality of Godhead. He is also the supreme entity. There are innumerable living entities and all of them are individuals. This is very easy to understand. We are all individual in our thoughts and desires, and the Supreme Lord is also an individual person. He is different, though, in that he is the leader, the one whom no one can excel. Among the minute living entities, one being can excel another in one capacity or another. Like each of these living entities, the Lord is an individual, but he is different in that he is the supreme individual. God is also infallible, and thus in the Bhagavad Gita he is addressed as Achuta, which means he who never falls down. This name is appropriate because in the Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna falls into illusion, but Krishna does not. Krishna himself reveals his infallibility when he says to Arjuna, when I appear in this world, I do so by my own internal potency. And now, before we go any further, let's take some questions to illuminate or expand on the subject matter. The lines are now open, both on Facebook, where I'm getting them from, uh, Madhava Prema, and also right here on the Zoom room, you can ask questions. Yes. Um, in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says that harshness is a demoniac quality. And but Lord Chaitanya was so harsh with Junior Haridas. Could you explain why he was so harsh with him? Well, it, when you read it all the way to the end, you find out that there was a very sweet relationship between Mahaprabhu and Haridas, so much so that they were inseparable, even after Haridas, Junior Haridas uh, was uh, unembodied. In other words, he had taken on a form through which he could associate with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But Vairagya Vidya Nija Bhakti Yoga Shikshartameka Purusha Purana. Mahaprabhu, um, Mahaprabhu used him as an example of renunciation for others. And for those who are fully surrendered to Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the harshness that comes from him um, is actually nectar. It's uh, inconceivable uh, to, to one who is uh, maybe absorbed in the bodily conception of life and, and abhors uh, being chastised. But we find throughout the Chaitanya Charamrita that um, the devotees uh, actually competed for Lord Chaitanya's chastisements at some point. The famous case of Advaita Charya who wanted to be known as a subordinate and chastised by Mahaprabhu. He treated him as harshly as you possibly can by beating him. 
And uh, he invoked that, did Advaita Acharya by, as you know, reciting the Yoga Vashishta and advocating for monism and so forth, and Gyan over Bhakti. And Mahaprabhu came and beat him. And Advaita Acharya exulted in the fact that now it had proved, he had proved that by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's chastisement um, upon him, he uh, claimed this to be the subordinate. So um, we can't necessarily equate the harshness of the of the Lord and even his pure devotees who when they curse somebody, uh, they end up with, with uh, an inimitable um, benediction with the harshness that comes from the heart of somebody who actually has um, some ill motive. The difference is there. In fact, it's mentioned by Krishna himself in the 11th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam in the story of the, of, of the um, Avanti Brahmana that when a person who has envy in his heart speaks harsh words to another, it's like a spear that enters and it injures another's heart. However, a devotee has a mukya prasada. This is a quality that, uh, that Madhvacharya comments on in the verse um, that uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu received from his guru about uh, this verse from the Bhagavatam which says when somebody chants Hare Krishna and gradually becomes more and more attached to the to the Lord through chanting his name and the heart, his heart begins to melt, druta becomes soft and melts and then he acts like a madman uh, not caring for outsiders. And in the commentary, as I've said millions of times, Amadvacharya says, there's two, not all Vaishnavas show external symptoms, but the, all Vaishnavas show at least two symptoms of their ecstasy. And one of them is their steadiness in devotional service. And the other is Mukhi Prasada. And that is that whatever comes to, from their mouth is uh, Prasad, it's mercy. Even when it's chastisement, it's, it's, uh, even when it seems harsh, it's actually mercy. And um, the effect is different. As you know, the saffron mercy particles, uh, when a person who is a pure devotee speaks, the vibration touches the lotus feet of the Lord, and then it's mixed with saffron particles. And so when it enters our ears, it's different, even when it's in the form of a chastisement or seemingly harsh words. Thank you, Gurudev. Your glasses look like a halo around your head. Pardon me? Your glasses look like a halo on your head. <laughs> it's, it's hard to know what to do with these glasses. I, uh, I'm in the interim space here. May I ask one more or should I uh, uh, let someone else ask a question? Sure. Okay. Thank you, Dameshwar. Good to see you. Yes, we distribute the Chaitanya Charitamrita to spread an understanding of, um, of the philosophy because we noticed that in the Madhya and, and in the Madhya and Antilila, we get a lot of details on that. But the Chaitanya Bhagavat is so much so much more easier to digest. Why don't we focus on distributing that? I remember you told me that Shri Prabhupada wanted to focus on the Chaitanya Chaitanya last time. Well, first of all, we don't we don't have Prabhupada's translation of that or commentary. 
there are other translations, but uh, the Chaitanya Charnamita was Prabhupada's pride and joy. We just do whatever Prabhupada likes. And that keeps life simple. You just follow a pure devotee, just like whatever he likes, that's what I like. <laughs> and uh, I mean, there's other explanations of why we should, we should distribute the Chaitanya Charnamita. But Prabhupada called all his GBCs and leaders to come to Los Angeles in 1975. He got them all together. And you know what he wanted to tell them? I want the Chaitanya Charnamita delivered in two months. And then he sat on the Vyasa, that, I mean, that blew everybody's mind. It wasn't possible. Uh, somehow or other they did it on a marathon. Marathons are fun, by the way. I mean, that's what life's for, is diving in and really taking shelter of the instruction of the, of the guru. And then, you know, you give yourself to that. That kind of austerity is really powerful. But he also sat on the Vyasasana and he said to everybody, print as many books, distribute in as many languages all over the world, Christian conscious movement will automatically expand. He had so much, uh, I mean, he put his heart and soul into that. He wanted it to come out. He asked us to distribute it in mass. And at the time, I mean, it didn't seem like for a while it was a little herky-jerky. We weren't selling sets back then. Nobody figured out how to sell sets very much over the years, Tripurari Marj and Bhakti Tirta Marj did a little bit, Hansa Duda, Prabhu did it some, uh, and his devotees, there was another really famous devotee in Australia who did it, he was fully dedicated to it, he passed away recently. But uh, we just, we were selling individual copies of the Chaitanya Charamita. At one point, when I was stationed in Atlanta, Georgia, there was a sale on Adi Leela Volume 1. So the temple there had purchased thousands of copies and we were taking them out to the airport <laughs> and distributing them one-on-one. -on -one. A lot to servicemen who are just coming in or going out of the boot camp. And um, yeah, I mean, you dig into the Adi Lila and it's, uh, it's not necessarily an introductory book. So when we do distribute these books, it's important for us now to take as much care as possible to have a support system for people so that they can uh, get training and and especially nowadays people need all kinds of um, introductory um, presentations so they can get a foothold into bhakti and they need good association and then the chaitanya charamita gradually gradually it becomes the most nectarian of, of any literature Srila Prabhupada read it on the on the jaladuta Srila bhakti siddhanta said if every other book slid into the ocean during the cyclone, you know, but the Chaitanya Charamrita was preserved, there'd be no loss. Actually, Maharaj, when we start reading, the first thing we try to do is skip the canto, first canto, because it was like, uh, it's, it's very esoteric, or if it's Chaitanya Charamrita, skip a few, let's get to the stories. And then the more you spend time reading them, like you brought us back to the beginning, and these past few days have been so sweet, because you realize there's so much, um, like you said, it's very deep. The preface and the yeah, you should respect every syllable of the Bhagavatam and the Chaitanya Charmina. Every syllable is worshipable. And so when you go on Govardhan Parikrama, you may start off and you go, oh, that's so smooth, the ground is nice and warm, and you're going, and then somebody will kindly leave a mile of gravel on the ground, and then you're walking on gravel, you know, and then, but you can't stop and say, oh, I don't like, I like the smooth part, I don't like the gravel. 
So when we're reading through the Bhagavatam, you may come to a section where your mind doesn't like, oh, what does our mind know? It's conditioned by Maya. And that's why when the Bhagavatam comes out or the Chaitanya Charita, <laughs> that's actually a, a, you know, a, a, a demoniac Mayak reaction because the mind is so like, it's not about me and it's not about sense gratification. So the mind doesn't like it. That's why it goes to sleep. It's not tired. Because if you go up to somebody who's sleeping in a Bhagavatam class, says, excuse me, you just won the lottery, they'll, they'll wake right up and uh, ask how much they won <laughs> and so forth. So we should go through all the Prabhupada's books again and again and, and learn to relish even going over the parts that may seem deeply philosophical and so forth. And then um, by doing that constantly, there's a way in which Krishna within the heart reveals um, the truth of, of himself to us just by submissive hearing. That's what submissive hearing means. Uh, you don't have to know everything and figure it all out and uh, do all that. You just have to be very submissive in hearing and knowing that it's coming from um, a divine source. And Krishna will reveal himself to you through the hearing process. Maharaj, is that, is that the reason why you have so many shlokas in the very beginning? I've been waiting to ask you this for weeks. Your, your pranam mantras have become like an ocean. So I was just trying to figure out the mood. Well, they're not, you know, it's a mangala charna, so it invokes auspiciousness. And we need a little extra now that we're all locked down. Okay. These, uh, these uh, will give us strength. It's like taking some special uh, anjivani syrup that uh, brings you back to life again, you know. So, and also we should learn all these verses. The best way to learn all these verses is to um, say them regularly. If you work verses into your regular daily schedule, like when you wake up in the morning, you have a series of verses that you say. When you do the Mangalacharna, you do it. When you do your puja, you say all your verses. When you go for your walk, you do your verses. When you drive to the store, you do your verses. You should be chanting 24 hours a day and keeping the vibration going. These verses are, are you know, windows into the spiritual world. They are the spiritual world, not even windows. We're directly in contact there. So uh, it's important to uh, increase the dose over and over again, just like, you know, drug addicts. They start off with a little taste, you know, some uh, a drug dealer. If you just try a little of this, they, they take a little more, a little more, a little more, and pretty soon they're strung out, total addicts. So we're supposed to keep adding more and more until there's nothing left except uh, hearing and chanting all day long. It takes more to get high. <laughs> First one's free. <laughs> Thank you so much, Maharaj. Okay, we have some uh, Sri Sai Lakshmi. Says, hypocrisy is a definite repellent for Krishna Prema. It's better to be authentic in intention and make small mistakes in actions rather than vice versa. Thank you. Uh, Deborah, Yarber, Hari Bol, happy to hear from you every day possible. Thank you for these tremendously <laughs> rich nectarian sessions of satsang. I'm so glad you're here, Deborah. Thank you. And uh, from Dini oh, it's Danishta. Okay, <laughs> now I know who it is. Hare Krishna Danishta. Um, anything else from um, the chat box here or any other questions on Zoom that illuminate the conversation? Hare Krishna. Yes. to the runner, infield fly rule. Go ahead. Go ahead, Prabhu. No, go ahead. You're there on the screen. Whoever's on the screen wins. Um, I was wondering, uh, Guru Maharaj, if you could help me understand 
why uh, Shri Prabhupada found it necessary to translate the title of Chitanya Chitamrita in that way, character of the living force and immortality. Because for someone it might seem as kind of little impersonal, it's a living force. Just like in the Bhagavad Gita, uh, Prabhupada says that some people say surrender to the living force behind Krishna. Yes, somebody uh, go on the etymological dictionary right now online and look up the word character. It may be related, related to charisma. Say Hare Charisma, Hare Krishna. Uh, Prabhupada had a penchant for um, translating the Sanskrit and Bengali terms in such a way that a, a Westerner could understand it. You'll notice that, that uh, and this is a very important exercise. Prabhupada mentions this in the, in the Bhagavatam, in the uh, first canto, fourth chapter, first, para, uh, first um, purport of, of that um, chapter, that we're supposed to take the message of the Acharyas and uh, not change anything. But we, um, we should uh, realize it and then represent it in our own words so that other people in the culture can appreciate it. So Prabhupada was doing that constantly. Did you find that? Yeah, Alex found something. Uh, one of the attributes. Oh, did anybody find um, character from the etymological dictionary? Thank you. Characteristic. Is that the etymological dictionary? Yes. Okay. Charactere via Latin from Greek, a stamping tool. <laughs> from the early sense, distinctive mark arose, token. Uh, which dictionary is that? This is Google's. Okay, go to here. Let me give you this one. Marat the ETM dictionary is also saying something similar to what. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right, so I struck out on that one, but uh, here you go anyway, Balaram, just for future reference. Um, anyway, character is, if you say character, uh, the living force and immortality, it sets the stage for the Chaitanya Charmita to understand that there is character, character uh, there are characteristics. The main point of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's philosophy is God has innumerable shaktis. Esha desha tastyagnir josna vistaraniyata parasya brahmana shaktis tatedam akilam jagat. He's situated as one in one place, just like the sun, but then his multifarious shaktis pervade everything. And um, that's the difference between the Mayavadis or the impersonalists and, uh, and what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is teaching is that God is the Supreme Personality of God, and he, he has character, and he has shaktis and so forth. So I don't think it's necessarily impersonal, and it is what it is. And of course, he goes on to explicate that what that character is in immortality ad infinitum throughout the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Srimad Bhagavatam, and everything else. Okay, what else do we have here in the way of questions? Uh, Yes. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Sukeshri. So, Prabhu, I was just thinking that in Bhagavatam, in several places, we look at um, women being inferior, 
or uh, you know they equal into shudra and we hear that uh, yes of course absolutely this is probably for the women who are who consider them themselves to be the body and not the soul. But um, I was just wondering that um, is that is the reason women, the women body as such people, you know, we <clears throat> consider our different bodies to be apartments. So the living entities that come into the women body have more material desires compared to living entities who come into the male body. Um, so is that the reason that um, women are uh, considered to be less intelligent spiritually or Am I understanding this right? Um, well, um, well, first of all, as you said, when there's um, when somebody becomes Krishna conscious, then basically they, you know, the distinction is not there. Prabhupada says it directly in his writings and his talks. Nobody's equal on the material platform that's a misnomer the idea that all beings are created equal as is the um standard in the united states that's it's, it's the right idea um vidya vinaya sampane brahmane gavihastani shuni chaiva shrupakecha pundita samadarshina it's a learned idea but it's like like lord krishna said to arjuna said you're talking like a pundit arjuna but you don't know what you're talking about because you're trying to equate everything on the material platform and say well it's all equal on that level and that doesn't work because nobody's equal uh on the on the material platform because there's unlimited combinations and permutations of the three modes of material nature of which the external body is composed so the vedic culture is very practical in that it, it gives um it, it makes no, um, there's no stigma about in the Varnashrama at all about uh, the hierarchy of various bodies and minds uh, according to their psychophysiological composition in the world. They're all Mukabahuru Padi Shaha, Chatvaro Jagnine Varna, Jagnai Gunar Viro Pratak, uh, blew the last line. It, 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 you know, they all emanate from the body of the Lord, different parts of the, of the body. How could they be um, stigmatized in any way? They're all, you know, on that, that level, they'll emanate from that point. So one has to have a, you know, perspective from that, from that point and see that um, everyone has some difference uh, on the material platform. So, uh, to your question, is that why, uh, what is it specifically that says that a, a woman on the material platform is not um, equal to a man? Well, first of all, nobody's equal on any level. And obviously there are, you know, some women are much more intelligent than men. And especially in Kali Yuga, <laughs> there's this, you know, um, all bets are off in a lot of ways because men just aren't trained and a lot of them are just imbeciles and so are women too by that same standard because of not being trained but uh one idea that comes up in queen kunti is that uh, men tend to be more uh, philosophical in the sense of uh searching for the absolute truth and you know um delving into um, Sankhya and all these kinds of things. And 
women tend to be more uh, emotionally grounded and biologically and you know mentally so because they're the nurturers they raise children and they're the ones that um, typically and of course you know you get in trouble when you absolute do absolute stereotypes because you can always find an exception but the fact is you know women generally are um, uh, they like the homestead and there's a you know they're the grounding force there you know that holds everybody together so in that sense there is kind of this comparison on the emotional side like when um when uh um Joan son ashwatthama had created committed a heinous crime by killing the sleeping sons of the pandavas then then um, <clears throat> Draupadi promised, you know, I'm going to kill him or, you know, that I won't, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to take my bath standing on his head or actually Arjuna said, I'll, I'll grant you that, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get him and bring him to you. And she had, she had a firm resolve in that way until they caught him and brought him in. <laughs> and then um, Prophet points out that, you know, it was her emotional nature that she said, no, don't kill him because um, he said she, she had uh, that womanly uh, compassion. So Prabhupada, you'll see in that instance, says, well, that's a good quality. And on the other side, you know, from a material point of view, it's, it's just what it is. It's, it's a kind of a emotional weakness, you know, when it comes to, you know, making some decision like that, like kill somebody. Uh, so, that, you know, there's this dichotomy that, is considered and um, so that you know those are those are um, a few thoughts thank you thank you Raul. <clears throat> so yeah. so Maharaj in um, in one of the lectures uh, by Sri Prabhupada on um, Bhagavad Gita first chapter where they are talking about Sri Dustashu that that uh, verse uh, I think that's the verse Prabhupada is quote, quotes um, Chanakya Pandit and he says that uh, Chanakya Pandit says that you should not trust women. So um, in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna talks about such fine qualities of a woman, you know, fine speech, memory, and so intelligence and so on. So why could they say that? And then, of course, women are mothers, so we know they have motherly instincts. So why do we say, why, why is it said that? Well, the Bhagavatam also says. Yeah. It's like in the story I told the other day, maybe not in this venue, but maybe another one about Urvashi and Purva. And Urvashi herself, you know, says the nature of woman is that um, she's prone to uh, be uh, misled uh, by others and therefore she should be uh, protected. And, um, and so Urvashi says, you know, be careful uh, because the mind of a woman can go this way or that way unless you know protected in the right context of course you know this idea of protection in the kind of the modern sense is uh, considered to be kind of a um uh you know a, a degrading thing like why should i be protected but you know if you see in the same context uh talking about protection i mean everyone needs protection citizens need protection you can see nowadays they're not being protected so much uh, in some places. There's a way that um, 
the king or the leader of a society is supposed to take care of the praja. Anybody who was born there, that means animals, people, whatever. And then those who are by nature a little bit more weak or susceptible, like brahmanas, uh, they're supposed to be protected. Old people are supposed to be protected. Now that I'm getting old, I can see why. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, yeah, I think that, that, that could be helpful at some point. And that, you know, anybody who's by nature a, a little bit um, susceptible can, you know, is supposed to be uh, protected. So this idea of protection is, is there that if you don't, if you don't give uh, protection and you don't see things in the right context, then, you know, if you engage somebody in the wrong way, then there can be a reversal that is not helpful. So Bhagavatam is very clear in talking about what the various uh, features of different um, bodies are in this in the material world. That's it. And the the problem is when then there's this equation of the self with the body in general, and people say, "Aha! So you're not equal to everybody because you're saying one body is not the same as another." But it's, it, it, Varnashram is very practical in the sense that it, 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 uh, it accommodates psychophysiological natures so that uh, people aren't inconvenienced so they can do their, their services and so forth. So in Irvashi's talk, you know, she says, unless a woman is, is given the right circumstance to feel protected, then there's a way in which she can be um, misled and, her, you know, her own intelligence if it's just um, left to its own device, it can be uh, become uh, fickle and not trusted. Just you know, but as Prabhupada says, that's that's true with anybody who is in a materialistic mindset. But uh, you know, in the context of, of a woman, then we're talking about uh, somebody who's by nature uh, more susceptible to be exploited by the environment and therefore has has to be given extra protection i mean i could see it just you know like in venice beach in, in los angeles around the rathiatra time could walk down that thing and i see uh, sometimes women are walking down there and i just i see men who are materialistically trained with no tethers at all they just uh demonstratively turn and look at them and and or even you know make gestures to them and so forth they're ready to exploit this is the whole nature of the material world it's exploitation it takes place between you know men and women men exploit women and women exploit men so, so maharaj um so is this is this understanding right that uh when we say don't trust them it is because of their tendency to be misled uh, because they, they, maybe there's some underlying innocence there that they, they are easily carried over and not that they are scheming and planning things in their head. Yeah, that's right. Okay, okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and, it's, and, and obviously there's counterbalancing um, ideas there, you know. I mean, Prabhupada in that section of the Bhagavad Gita is dealing with, a, you know, the issue there of what happens when you know all the men are killed on the battlefield because they're the ones that are going to get all killed and then the women are left by them by themselves and they're going to be without any protection and then anything can happen 
Thank you. Sure. Let's see what else we have here. Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj. Hare Krishna, Are you surviving the cyclone? Yeah, it's a transcendental experience. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad to hear your voice and that you still have electricity and everything. You explained that um, harshness uh, by the Lord or his pure devotee is actually uh, nectar. So how can I train myself uh, to be in that consciousness that to take the chast to take that chastisement or any harshness um, as mercy um, practically? Well, it's hard to do it ahead of time unless you, you know, but, and if you do get chastised, then um, it takes a little while to process it. But if you're, you know, be, obviously you're a sincere devotee. So, you know, when you get chastised, you might then, you know, walk into a corner somewhere and start lamenting and then think, well, I actually feel really humble right now. <laughs> I actually feel uh, humbler than before. And, uh, you know, and when you realize that, um, if a chastisement given to you by, by an advanced person, um, or your, you know, your superior, or or for anyone for that matter, if you can learn to, you know, take chastisements coming from anyone. I've been on the street before when, uh, you know, distributing books and someone suddenly screamed at me, and um, it actually softened my heart. Um, it took you know some time to process it and also. Uh, you know, see, oh, realize, you know, Krishna's speaking through this person. I should, I should be, I should interact with people in such a way that um, I'm so soft and understand them that they don't chastise me. And when they do, you know, I see it's like one of those rock tumblers. My father used to have one. He put all kinds of rocks in there and you'd hear him um, going around and around. And after, you know, a few weeks, you take them out and they were polished. So chastisement is like that. It helps to polish us and make us smooth. So if you can get chastisement from, um, from a superior or from your guru or something like that, then that's really good. And then when you process it, then you'll learn that um, it's worth taking. But just by understanding that, um, you know, hearing about chastisement when it comes, then you can be... Um, in the mindset that, well, the, the great devotees of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they accepted chastisement, so I should too. Yeah, wonderful. I look forward to it. Thank you. And now it's Guru Maharaja. Oh, Hare Krishna. Good to see you, Vaikuntha Nayaka, from Mysore. I recognize the pictures behind you. <laughs> That's well, <clears throat> I was thinking um, that uh, usually many people <clears throat> uh, try to take about this point about where Prabhupada mentioned that uh, women are less intelligent. Uh, they take this as a tool to bash up Iskon or uh, Shila Prabhupada, people with agenda. But I was thinking that it might look blunt, <clears throat> but this idea, um, not that they're, uh, that they're dumb or foolish, it's not in that way. The, even the bestsellers like men are from Mars, women are from Venus, 
these books are all talking about how they are different the men think differently women think differently the author gives the example in that book about when uh, the woman wants the wife wants to talk about a problem the man will try to uh, think that okay okay this is the root cause of the problem and uh, these are the solutions which you can try but the woman will still get frustrated because the wife thinks that okay hey i am not looking for a solution i just want a emotional vent of uh, my problem i just want someone to hear me out uh, and so this idea that uh, uh, men are uh, addressing this situation in a logical way and women in a more emotional way has been there in uh, even the uh, other popular culture so it's not something which actually should be used to bash up uh, propats this thing or to think that he meant he thought of it otherwise so just those points i wanted to share thank you thank you very much um gulmaj i went through the entomology for um character did you want it okay Okay so um it's a it's a long entomology because characters started up in two three different locations it comes in the 15th century in in um latin and also in greek the greek spelling is what is the k h a character but uh, latin is what we use today as character so when we the meaning you are searching for is actually from greek it starts out in greek as a defining quality individual feature and then it goes on later to be changed into a metaphor says some of qualities that define a person or thing and distinguish it from another and further it moves on slowly the translation in english keeps moving into moral qualities assigned to a person by repute that's how the definition has changed over the years thank you very much thank you is anybody else want to ask there's tons of questions here um where should i start Okay. Here it is uh at a time from Shraddha Devidasi in the at a time when in the west man was directing his exploratory spirit mm -hmm. towards studying the structure of the physical universe circumambulating the world search of new oceans and continents Sri Chaitanya Mahap in the east was inaugurating and masterminding a revolution directed towards scientific understanding of the highest knowledge of man's spiritual nature. Yes, nice uh passage can be used in distributing cc sets yes the mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual thank you namrata and balaram has that one of the attributes okay rasika govinda questions can krishna consciousness heal extreme mayak trauma or should this be dealt with also on the material platform through means of therapy um mayak trauma material trauma maya maya trauma um we are um a combination of matter and spirit and when you cut yourself you go to the hospital and get a bandage and you take all the a benefit of scientific research on how to sterilize the <laughs> the wound and so forth it's very important and um 
So, it, you know, because we take the Krishna consciousness, it doesn't mean we have an aversion to um, what's been discovered in, in the modern world as far as um, how phenomena, the phenomena of nature works, especially uh, virology. Um, sorry to bring it up. Uh, and, and all kinds of other um, aspects of the human body and mind uh, can be helped uh, when we um, have some deficiency, you know, there's, there may be research and help that we can take that, that can uh, help us to be more whole and, and to, um, and therefore go on with our practice of Krishna consciousness. So uh, Prabhupada mentions in Balasyaneha Sharanam Pitarao Nishingha Nartasya Chaganam Udandati Majito Now Prahlad Maharaj says, don't think that medicine can cure you. Don't think that a boat on water can save a drowning man. And don't think that a, a, a parents can save the child. Because without the, the help of the Lord, without the assistance, it's not going to happen. But then Prabhupada says, in this purport, of course, you have to do everything you can. Uh, the normal course of activities, whatever whatever there is available, you can do it, but don't depend on it exclusively and think that um, that's going to uh, make it happen. I was just reading the um, the churning of the the ocean of of milk by the demigods and the demons, and they both worked really hard. Of course, Krishna intervened at every step. He held up the mountain as Kurma. He, he held on the top to, so they could keep churning. He entered as the modes of nature into the demons as Rajas and as the demigods and higher modes of nature so they could keep doing their thing. And finally, when the nectar came out, only the demigods got it. The demons didn't get any. <laughs> and the reason was because they're devotees of Krishna. They're devotees of the Lord, and therefore, they get more rewards uh, because they're in a higher mode of, of existence. And so, ultimately, we depend on Krishna, but we have to take um, whatever regular means are available. And it's not some religion of ours to shun, uh, you know, medicine or something like that. Sometimes this idea is there that, you know, to be a devotee, you have to shun every kind of scientific experiment or, or cure, <laughs> medicinal cure that's ever been created. But we don't, um, just like in Ayurvedic medicine, you take it and before you take it, you say that uh, this won't work without the potency of Vishnu. That's the idea. Okay, any um, last questions for Zoom, from the Zoom room? Maharaj, uh, one other point on that harshness. I believe um, um, there was one devotee, I forgot his name. Uh, he was told that he will go back to spiritual world uh, after a million years or something. Who could so Mukunda was chastised by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and that was Mahaprabhu was not fond of the way he wandered around and sat with all kinds of other people. 
he go sit with any group? And it's like, yeah, I'm with these people now and listen to what they had to say. <laughs> and so when Mahaprabhu was doing his uh, Mahaprakash, he called all kinds of devotees and gave them benediction. And then everyone noticed that they had, he had called Mukunda. Mukunda was a famous kirtan singer and, and a very dear um, devotee to, to the, all the Sangha and to Mahaprabhu. So they said, why won't you give him, why haven't you called him? He said, I won't call him because he's, he goes here, there and everywhere. And he, you know, listens to all kinds of people's nonsense and stuff. So I'm not, I'm not going to uh, call him. And so they went back and told Mukunda and Mukunda said, you know, can you ask when, you know, sometime I can come back. And Mahaprabhu had uttered, you know, after 10,000 births. And they told him that he, he said after 10,000 births, Mukunda started dancing and said, I will see, I will see. It means I will see him. It's 10,000, no problem. And then Mahaprabhu called him because he appreciated that. And Kamalakanta Vishvas, he was another one who was uh, chastised. Kamalakanta was a secretary for uh, Advaita Acharya. And so he had uh, somehow or other, Mahaprabhu had gotten possession of a letter that Kamalakanta Vishvas had written. And in it, he had, he was talking about how Advaita Acharya had incurred a debt and that uh, he was seeking to pay back that debt. And so when Mahaprabhu read this, he said, this is nonsense. Uh, this Kamla Kanta Vishvas doesn't know anything because uh, he said, Advaitacharya is Ma Vishnu, he's the Supreme Personality of God, and how can he incur a debt? And when he saw Kamla Kanta, he said, this letter is nonsense. It proves that you don't know anything and I don't want to see you again. And he chastised him. And then Advaitacharya heard it and he said, how come you give him so much mercy? through chastisement, you don't give me that much kind of mercy. I don't get chastised that, like that. Of course, he, he, he forgave uh, Kamala Kanta, you know, but these instances are there of chastisement in various places. Thank you, Mark. Sure. Last chance for questions. Maharaj, when we are in trouble, we're always reminded that we should chant. Chanting is the only answer, and it is Sarva Nivarani. But at the same time, we are told when we are chanting that to want any material result is an aparat in chanting. How do we balance these two things? Because the mind constantly wants to solve the problems. You somehow simply want relief. But at the same time, you recognize that, you know, tatte nukampam, you have to tolerate till this wave passes. How do we pacify the mind? Well, you could pacify the mind by um, practicing and listening to the holy name. Because um, practically speaking, uh, you know, Krishna is Hrishikesh. So we say Hrishikesha, Hrishikena Hrishikesha Sevanam. So if you do service to the master of the senses, the mind is the center of all the senses. So you have to engage the mind in service, and then it'll become satisfied. And so you have to practice a lot because it's, it's very difficult to actually um, do devotional service in the beginning because the mind wants to do anything else but devotional service or anything else but chanting japa. So we, we have to um, do some kind of um, devotional tapasya by uh, helping ourselves to uh, stay in and practice and then when we have a breakthrough, then we'll thank ourselves for, for being strict. 
just like children, when you're raising children, then uh, sometimes you make, well, not sometimes, you make guidelines for them uh, so that they can help themselves. And later on, once they see that, oh, this really helped me, I thank, I thank my parents very much. When they're kids, they may not understand why they have to stop playing or they have to do their homework or something like that. But, um, and it's the same way, if you're strict with yourself, then later on you'll thank yourself, your higher self, and you'll say, thank you, self, for helping me do this tapasya. Stephanie Gomez said, I would like to ask you why Srila Prabhupada decided to translate Chaitanya Chaitanya as our legacy about Sri Chaitanya, not other scriptures of Chaitanya Bhagavat and other. Could you please explain if there was something that made him choose it? It's a, it's a, a more comprehensive uh, philosophical work, which explains the entire philosophy of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. You'll notice that Chaitanya Bhagavat has uh, some philosophy, but it's mostly Leela. Whereas Chaitanya Charamita really goes into the um, details of, of Mahaprabhu's philosophy and includes all kinds of Praman verses from the Srimad Bhagavatam. In fact, it's said Chaitanya Charamita is really a garland of verses from, from the Bhagavatam. So uh, that's why. Although, you know, given enough time, probably, probably would have translated everything in the world. He had, a, he had a list, you know, of course, scriptures are unlimited, but uh, I have a compilation of what different uh, devotees who were with Prabhupada, uh, what Prabhupada told them, the verse, the, the, some of the scriptures that he wanted to do next. One of them was the um, Vedanta Sutra, and the other one was the Kata Upanishad. And there were, you know, Prabhupada had unlimited ambition to translate and uh, present everything to the world. It's not like you can only have this, not that. But uh, how did he do it anyway, within such a short amount of time to, to give us all these literatures in such a pristine form? Um, other books now available here and there, but the standard that he set with, with his books and the Bhaktivedanta Book Trust are unprecedented. I hope that's okay. Oh, Vamshuli, and then Vamshuli said the verse, Ashaade Chintayad Vishnum, Ashaode Chintayad Vishnum says that while taking medicine, one should meditate on Vishnu. Ayurvedic doctors and astrologers also suggest Ananta Achuta Govinda mantra when one faces severe and repeated health issues. We'll keep that one in mind. That's good advice coming all the way from South India. Thank you. Is everyone okay? Good? All right. Let's have a little kirtan. Hare Krishna. Yes? Hare Krishna, Vashasika Prabhu. Hare Krishna. This is Nikunja. Um, I'm from New Zealand. Oh, happy birthday, Nikunja. Hare Krishna, please accept my humble obeisances. Oh, glory to Prabhupada. Uh, sorry for the late question. I just had one question. Um, about the about the mind, like um, I was thinking in Bhagavad Gita, um, Krishna says uh, to make the, uh, the mind your friend, um, and um, then Bhaktisiddhanta Maharaj was saying to beat the mind with a shoe. So um, how can we understand that? Well, um, it means to be strict. Yeah. Strict with the mind, because the, the mind will um, inevitably. Uh, when it's in a conditioned state, it's almost like 
living next to it's like two two uh, countries that are fighting each other and you know the 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 rival countries are sending all kinds of misinformation through the internet and they try to uh, destroy the other ones so the mind uh, in its conditioned state is has to be dealt with a little bit um, strictly and carefully so that's uh, you know a very kind of indicative statement that he made about we should be ready to control the mind um, of course you know we control it through um, very uh, beautiful means uh, the mind really can be controlled ultimately by uh, teaching it how to enjoy um, the the beauty of Krishna. Just like, uh, you know, when you get used to doing puja, it's so nice. It just naturally controls the mind. Uh, and so, you know, you sit down, there's sandalwood paste. Most people don't get to smell sandalwood paste. They smell all kinds of terrible stuff all day long. But sandalwood paste smells nice. It's got rose water. It's got sandalwood. It's got camphor. <laughs> it's got saffron. And that's what you smell when you're worshiping the Lord. And then there's incense. I mean, the other day I was doing my puja. I take my incense right when I offer it. I, I put it on the porch so the rest of the neighborhood can smell it. And just when I was walking in the door, you know, the mixture of the the outside air, the oxygen, which is really clean around here, especially right now, and the incense, it just kind of carried me away. And then there's flowers and all these things. I mean, it's so nice. It's beautiful. And so that this Jaya Jaya Goda Chandra Arotiko Shohohoba, it's, you know, that song is exalting the beauty of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu standing on the Ganga with his associates and he's being worshipped and it's it's just stunningly beautiful. So it's uh, at first the mind wants to, to go and eat, um, drink poison in a cave rather than, um, you know, drinking the nectar from the river of the Srimad Bhagavatam. So we have to, there's a verse in fact, Shredder, do you have that? That verse that I used to quote all the time about uh, Krishna uh, Lord of the calves, please, uh, my mind is like a little calf and it's gone into a, a cave rather than drinking at the Nectarian uh, River of the Srimad Bhagavatam, it's gone into a cave to drink from a poison pit. And he's like, Krishna, you're so kind with the stick of your mercy, like he's a coward boy, so he has a stick. The stick of your mercy, you pull me out of the cave and you take me to the river and you say, drink here. So that's what he means, you know, the stick. You should take a, a stick to your mind and get, get in here and read Bhagavatam. I mean, growing up in, the, in, in my adolescence in the Brahmacharya Ashram, you know, there was a little strict. I remember at night, you know, lights out and no talking. And we'd all be sleeping in the same room. And the, one of the senior devotees there, Magendra, who now lives down in Los Angeles, you know, he'd say, okay, no more talking, stop, you know? And in the morning, the lights come on at 3.30. You're, you gotta be up and uh, there's no extra sleeping. You gotta go, go, go. You gotta get in the shower. You gotta go to Mangalartik. And at first it feels like uh, you need a stick, you know, to, to all the students to go down there and get in the Mangalartik. 
And after a while, then you, you feel like I couldn't do without this. Why would I start the day without a, a Mangala Artik? Why would I start it with something else? So at first we need a stick. And then, uh, but think of it as Krishna's cowherd stick and he's pulling you out of the poison, poison pit. Thanks. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Australia, please give everybody in Australia our best. New Zealand. <laughs> I'm sorry. New Zealand. <laughs> Great to see thank you. you. Thank you. Thank very you, much. Okay, you found it. Namrata's got it here. Oh, Krishna, the very fragrant river of your loving pastimes, which is a million times sweeter than nectar, flows within the Srimad Bhagavatam and other Puranas. But instead of drinking at that river, the calf of my mind prefers to enter a cave and drink the poison of sense gratification. O Krishna, O Lord of the calves, please quickly curb the calf of my mind with the stick of your mercy and bring it back to the river of your pastimes. Isn't that a beautiful verse? Monisha, what is your opinion? Yes? Okay. You had made a Shamanadi gel out of octopus. Right? I made a big opera rod tonight for saying that Australia was New Zealand. <laughs> That's like asking people if they speak Mexican or something like that. Anyways, um, it's great to see everybody. Thank you very much for joining in. And um, we'll see you uh, again, Krishna willing, on Saturday morning. He had called Mukunda. Mukunda was a famous kirtan singer and, and a very dear um, devotee to, to the, all the Sangha and to Mahaprabhu. So they said, why won't you give him, why haven't you called him? He said, I won't call him because he's, he goes here, there and everywhere. And he, you know, listens to all kinds of people's nonsense and stuff. So I'm not, I'm not going to uh, call him. And so they went back and told Mukunda and Mukunda said, you know, can you ask when, you know, sometime I can come back. And Mahaprabhu had uttered, you know, after 10,000 births. And they told him that. He, he said after 10,000 births, Mukunda started dancing and said, I will see, I will see. It means I will see him. It's 10,000, no problem. And then Mahaprabhu called him because he appreciated that. And Kamalakanta Vishvas, he was another one who was uh, chastised. Kamalakanta was a secretary for uh, Advaita Acharya. And so he had uh, somehow or other, Mahaprabhu had gotten possession of a letter that Kamalakanta Vishwas had written. And in it, he had, he was talking about how Advaita Acharya had incurred a debt and that uh, he was seeking to pay back that debt. And so when Mahaprabhu read this, he said, this is nonsense. Uh, this Kamalakanta Vishwas doesn't know anything because uh, he said, Advaita Acharya is Ma Vishnu, he's the Supreme Personality of God, and how can he incur a debt? And when he saw Kamalakanta, he said, this letter is nonsense, it proves that you don't know anything, and I don't want to see you again, and he chastised him. And then Advaita Acharya heard it, and he said, how come you give him so much mercy through chastisement? You don't give me that kind of mercy. I don't get chastised that, like that. Of course, he, he, he forgave uh, Kamalakanta, you know, but these instances are there of chastisement in various places. Thank you, Mark. Sure. Last chance for questions. 
Maharaj, when we are in trouble, we're always reminded that we should chant. Chanting is the only answer and it is Sarva Roga Nivarani. But at the same time, we are told when we are chanting that to want any material result is an aparat in chanting. How do we balance these two things? Because the mind constantly wants to solve the problems. You somehow simply want relief. But at the same time, you recognize that, you know, tatte nukampam, you have to tolerate till this wave passes. How do we pacify the mind? Well, you could pacify the mind by um, practicing and listening to the holy name. Because um, practically speaking, uh, you know, Krishna is Hrishikesh. So we say Hrishikesha, Hrishikena Hrishikesha Sevanam. So if you do service to the master of the senses, the mind is the center of all the senses. So you have to engage the mind in service and then it'll become satisfied. And so you have to practice a lot because it's, it's very difficult to actually um, do devotional service in the beginning because the mind wants to do anything else but devotional service or anything else but chanting japa. So we, we have to um, do some kind of um, devotional tapasya by uh, helping ourselves to uh, stay in and practice. And then when we have a breakthrough, then we'll thank ourselves for, for being strict. Just like children, when you're raising children, then uh, sometimes you make, well, not sometimes, you make guidelines for them uh, so that they can help themselves. And later on, once they see that, oh, this really helped me, I thank, I thank my parents very much. When they're kids, they may not understand why they have to stop playing or they have to do their homework or something like that. But, um, and it's the same way, if you're strict with yourself, then later on you'll thank yourself, your higher self, and you'll say, thank you, self, for helping me do this tapasya. Stephanie Gomez said, I would like to ask you why Srila Prabhupada decided to translate Chaitanya Charmin as our legacy about Sri Chaitanya, not other scriptures of Chaitanya Bhagavat and other, could you please explain if there was something that made him choose it? It's a it's a, a more comprehensive uh, philosophical work which explains the entire philosophy of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. You'll notice that Chaitanya Bhagavat has uh, some philosophy, but it's mostly Leela. Whereas Chaitanya Charamita really goes into the um, details of, of Mahaprabhu's philosophy and includes all kinds of Praman verses from the Srimad Bhagavatam. In fact, it's said Chaitanya Charamita is really a garland of verses from, from the Bhagavatam. So uh, that's why. Although, you know, given enough time, Prabhupada probably would have translated everything in the world. He had, a, he had a list, you know, of course, scriptures are unlimited, but uh, I have a compilation of what different uh, devotees who were with Prabhupada, uh, what Prabhupada told them, the verse, the, the, some of the scriptures that he wanted to do next. One of them was the um, Vedanta Sutra, and the other one was the Kata Upanishad. And there were, you know, Prabhupada had unlimited ambition to translate and uh, present everything to the world. It's not like you can only have this, not that. But uh, how did he do it anyway, within such a short amount of time to, to give us all these literatures in such a pristine form? Um, other books now available here and there, but the standard that he set with, with his books and the Bhaktivinoda Book Trust are unprecedented. 
I hope that's okay. Oh, Vamshuli, and then uh, Vamshuli said the verse, Ashaade Chintayad Vishnum, Ashaode Chintayad Vishnum says that while taking medicine, one should meditate on Vishnu. Ayurvedic doctors and astrologers also suggest Ananta Achuta Govinda mantra when one faces severe and repeated health issues. We'll keep that one in mind. That's good advice coming all the way from South India. Thank you. Is everyone okay? Good? All right. Let's have a little kirtan. Hare Krishna. Yes. Hare Krishna, Vashasika Prabhu. Hare Krishna. This is Nikunja. Um, I'm from New Zealand. Oh, happy birthday, Nikunja. Hare Krishna. Please accept my humble obeisances. Or glory to Prabhupada. Sorry for the late question. I just had one question. Um, about the about the mind, like um, I was thinking in Bhagavad Gita, um, Krishna says uh, to make the, uh, the mind your friend, um, and then um, Bhakti Siddhanta Maharaj was saying to beat the mind with a shoe. So um, how can we understand that? Well, um, it means to be strict. Yeah. Strict with the mind, because the, the mind will um, inevitably. Uh, when it's in a conditioned state, it's almost like living next to, it's like two, two uh, countries that are fighting each other. And you know, the, the, the rival countries are sending all kinds of misinformation through the internet and they try to uh, destroy the other ones. So the mind uh, in its conditioned state is, has to be dealt with a little bit um, strictly and carefully. So that's, uh, you know, a very kind of indicative statement that he made about we should be ready to control the mind. Um, of course, you know, we control it through um, very uh, beautiful means. Uh, the mind really can be controlled ultimately by uh, teaching it how to enjoy um, the, the beauty of Krishna. Just like, uh, you know, when you get used to doing puja, it's so nice. It just naturally controls the mind. Uh, and so, you know, you sit down and there's sandalwood paste. Most people don't get to smell sandalwood paste. They smell all kinds of terrible stuff all day long. But sandalwood paste smells nice. It's got rose water. It's got sandalwood. It's got camphor. <laughs> it's got saffron. And that's what you smell when you're worshiping the Lord. And then there's incense. I mean, the other day, I was doing my puja. I take my incense right when I offer it. I, I put it on the porch so the rest of the neighborhood can smell it. And just when I was walking in the door, you know, the mixture of the, the outside air, the oxygen, which is really clean around here, especially right now, and the incense, it just kind of carried me away. And then there's flowers and all these things. I mean, it's so nice. It's beautiful. And so that this Jaya Jaya Goda Chandra Arotiko Shohohoba. It's, you know, that song is exalting the beauty of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu standing on the Ganga with his associates and he's being worshipped and it's, it's just stunningly beautiful. So it's, uh, at first the mind wants to, to go and eat, um, drink poison in a cave rather than, um, you know, drinking the nectar from the river of the Srimad Bhagavatam. 
So we have to, there's a verse in fact. Shredder, do you have that? That verse that I used to quote all the time about uh, Krishna, um, Lord of the calves. Please, uh, my mind is like a little calf and it's gone into a, a cave. Rather than drinking at the Nectarian River of the Srimad Bhagavatam, it's gone into a cave to drink from a poison pit. And he's like, Krishna, you're so kind with the stick of your mercy. Like he's a coward boy, so he has a stick. The stick of your mercy, you pull me out of the cave and you take me to the river and you say, drink here. So that's what he means, you know, the stick. You should take a, a stick to your mind and get, get in here and read Bhagavatam. I mean, growing up in, the, in, in my adolescence in the Brahmacharya Ashram, you know, there was a little strict. I remember at night, you know, lights out and no talking. And we'd all be sleeping in the same room. And the, one of the senior devotees there, Magendra, who now lives down in Los Angeles, you know, he'd say, okay, no more talking, stop, you know. And in the morning, the lights come on at 3.30. You gotta be up and uh, there's no extra sleeping. You gotta go, go, go. You gotta get in the shower, you gotta go to Mangalartik. And at first it feels like uh, you need a stick, you know, to, to all the students to go down there and get in the Mangalartik. And after a while, then you, you feel like I couldn't do without this. Why would I start the day without a, a Mangalartik? Why would I start it with something else? So at first we need a stick. And then, uh, but think of it as Krishna's cowherd stick and he's pulling you out of the poison, poison pit. Thanks. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Australia, please give everybody in Australia our best. New Zealand. <laughs> I'm sorry. New Zealand. <laughs> Great to see you. Thank you. Thank you, thank very you much. Okay. We just have a little kirtan because it's in the, we're in the dead of night now because I went so long, but we'll try a little kirtan at the end. Namao Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prishtaya
Shri Radha Krishna Gokopina Shamakunda Radha Kunda Giri Govardhan Kijai Shri Vrindavandam Kijai Shri Mayapur Namadittam Kijai Shri Jagarat Puridham Kijai Tulsi Devi Bhakti Devi Kijai Jamuna Devi Ganga Devi Kijai Samveda Bhakti Vrindhi Kijai All glorious assembled devotees All glorious assembled devotees All glorious assembled devotees Okay, you found it. Namrata has got it here. Oh Krishna the very fragrant river of your loving pastimes, which is a million times sweeter than nectar, flows within the Srimad Bhagavatam and other Puranas. But instead of drinking at that river, the calf of my mind prefers to enter a cave and drink the poison of sense gratification. O Krishna, O Lord of the calves, please quickly curb the calf of my mind with the stick of your mercy and bring it back to the river of your pastimes. Isn't that a beautiful verse? Monisha, what is your opinion? Yes? Okay. You had made a Shamanadi gel out of out of this. Right? I made a big opera rod tonight for saying that Australia was New Zealand. <laughs> That's like asking people if they speak Mexican or something like that. Anyways, um, it's great to see everybody. Thank you very much for joining in and um, we'll see you uh, again, Krishna willing, on Saturday morning, if I'm not incorrect. Can everyone please unmute and say Hare Krishna. 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 Hare
Not to the Armarman, 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 not to the Armarman.